Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you here today with us uh, for our first service. Uh, we did uh, grab a bunch of stuff from the church to bring out to uh, make sure and have everything ready, and then we got here this morning setting up and figured out we had left a few things behind. So we're making do as we go, but uh, what a great uh, opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth uh, with like-minded believers, and we're glad you're here today with us. We are continuing, and this is our final week of the Multiply is Greater Than Divide sermon series. So we've been going through four weeks, and we've studied multiple different things, and the whole um, entire point to this is to study the Bible to see what all is listed about war throughout Scripture and to study uh, the topic of war as God has described it through the Bible and for us to understand uh, that we are on the winning team. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're a winner. Amen. I'm glad I'm sitting next to a bunch of winners today. But in looking at war and describing war and thinking about war, we need to understand that it's not God's fault. War is not his fault. It's humanity's fault. And we as human beings uh, bring about war because of our sinful nature that we inherited because we were born as humans. And as God designed us in the original Garden of Eden as Adam and Eve, as he placed them there, they were in a perfection, a state of perfection, but they decided to not stay in that perfection, but they chose to do things their way. And when we do things our way and not God's way, what happens? We fail. We mess up every time. So it is apparent to us to understand today that war is not God's fault. So, beings, this is the final week of this series. Look at your neighbor and tell them war is not God's fault. You didn't sound very convincing. I, I want you to understand that the person sitting next to you thinks war is everybody else's fault. War is our fault, amen, as humans. So we're all responsible because we all have opinions. Mostly we let them be known today, right? It's easier with us being keyboard warriors, right? In our culture, in today's world, where it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and go on and blast somebody or tell somebody what we think or give our opinion or point other people's failures out or, you know, put other people down and boast ourselves and all those things. It's easy to do, right? So war happens because of misunderstandings and misrepresentations of the truth. And sometimes wars has happened and sometimes even Christians has went to war with other nations because of Christianity and in the name of God. And how scary is it when we go to battle claiming this is God's purpose and God's plan and his plan is for me to kill you? How scary is it that humans are capable of killing each other with no regard for humanity or life? So we cannot blame God for our human failures. God is a jealous God. We've said this often throughout this series, but not in a negative light. The Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. He, he is jealous for us because he wants us to live 
in life, in the fullness of life, with his intent, with his purpose, with his plan for our life. That's his desire. So as he's jealous for us, it's not jealous as far as what human nature says about jealousy or how that we place our opinion of jealousy. So we've talked about how that we shouldn't cherry pick the scripture and cherry pick the Bible to pick verses that suits our needs and our plan and our purpose and pick it out to say this is God's intent and this is God's will and this is God's plan because this is the verse I'm using to back that up and we're taking it out of context and we're making it personal to us and we're just cherry picking scripture to make a doctrinal position so that our way is truth. Christians are super guilty of thinking I am right. Where we need to say, no, God's scripture is right. He's correct every time. He never fails. I don't know about you, but I have failed. Sometimes I've failed miserably. And even in my Christianity, how many can agree with that? Even as Christians, we come to our faith in Jesus, we accept him to be our Lord and our Savior. We go and follow him in baptism. We, we uh, go after God. We chase after God. But there's times and seasons in our life where we fail him miserably. And it causes misery to come upon our life because we have messed up. It's not God's fault. We are still humans as long as we're breathing air. And we're going to have issues in this life. Joe Don's the only one with issues. <laughs> Anybody else want a show of hands? How many's got issues? How many of you sat beside somebody's got issues? Amen. Your hands went up faster that time. I don't know why, but uh, apparently maybe Earl's getting picked on by Amy. She raised it up faster that time, Earl. I just, you know, I don't know. She, it's just, not, what are you going to say about that? I don't know. Uh, people got some issues going on in the house. And issues brings division. Because we can pick a topic and talk about a topic and any topic we want to bring up, it will cause people in this room to have issues with what other pe people's positions are. Whether it's masking or not masking, whether it's vaccinating or not vaccinating, whether, you know, oh, well, these are hot topic uh, issues, Pastor. Don't say those words. Amen? But we need to leave our opinions at the door and say, God, what's your will? What's your plan? What's your intent? Not what do I think, but what do you say? So when we divide, we automatically separate ourselves from other people, and we're all God's children. Amen? Every living being on this planet is a child of God. Babies are born into God's will. And it's not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, right? We know Peter tells us that. So as we are sitting here today, we need to understand that babies get to go to heaven. And thank God for the Raylan Project's run last night. And Megan, you've done an awesome job. And the best part was you allowed it to be set up where there was an age group and specific according to gender that was perfectly planned and executed that I was the only one in my age bracket to show up last night. And it wouldn't have mattered if I walked or run or crawled or whatever. I would have been first. Amen. How many likes those kind of rules? Set it up in my favor. Amen. That's perfect. Thank God for all you do, Megan, through the Raylan Project. And if you don't know what that is, it's for those that uh, have lost 
during her pregnancy, and Megan gives out gift packages, and uh, she's got counseling groups, and she'll help you through uh, that event as you're going through those things and the struggles that goes and comes with it. She understands them. She's trained herself. She's read lots of books. She understands those things. And those babies, as Megan prayed last night, and I was sitting there thinking, and we looked up and down the street, and all those little lighted bags that she's placed babies' names on up and down that street. And in her prayer, she talked about how that those babies that never got to live life to the fullest here on this planet are in heaven today and how that they're playing together. And how awesome is that to think about God loves us so much that he makes a way where that some people would say there is no way. But there comes a day, an age of accountability, and I don't know when that is. It's different for different people, in my opinion, or what I think Scripture teaches. There's people that's got, you know, certain set deadlines that they put on it and say it's a certain age for girls and a certain age for boys, and they go back through Jewish customs and try to figure all this stuff out to say at a specific point, okay, on your 12th birthday, you're born today, and last night if you would have passed away at 11 years old, 364 days, how many hours in a day? 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds, then you get to go to heaven, but the next second when the clock ticks, the next second, now you're 12 years old, now automatically you're at the age of accountability, and if you die at that moment and you don't repent of your sins and accept Jesus as your Savior, then you don't get to go to heaven. The Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for us. And I don't know about you, but I need his grace and his mercy in my life. Amen? And I don't want to put age-specific things and scare people into something at a certain pinpoint time in their existence like that where that I want to say that God's grace is sufficient. Amen? Whether he puts an age of accountability, and Leslie talks about when she comes to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was sitting in church, I think, eight or nine years old and, and, and grew up in church from her second a uh, weekend that Karen had her as a baby and they brought her to church and they took her to church every weekend and they went to youth group and she done all those things because her mom and dad served in the church. Thank God for that. Amen. But until the age of eight or nine years old, whenever she's sitting in a, a service one day at church in New Buckley Road and the pastor was preaching and God began to knock on her heart's, heart's door, she had no understanding prior to that that I need to go and receive salvation. But that day, that specific day, God's spirit began to knock on her heart's door and she knew as she was sitting there, I need to go up front and I need to kneel and I need to pray and I need to accept Jesus as my Lord. I've been through enough Sunday school classes to understand it. I've got a head knowledge, but now God's telling me I need a heart knowledge. So I can't say, well, you wasn't 12 years old, Leslie. You couldn't get saved. But you see how divided we can be as a church when we get these ideals and these opinions and what we want to say about this is what I think versus allowing God to do it his way. The sooner we quit dividing, we begin to allow God to multiply our life and multiply our church and multiply our church's effectiveness in our community, the better off we'll be. Let's stop being divisive as human beings. Amen? So let our keyboard warriorism, 
Is that even a term? I think it is. It, if it's not, I just made it up. So you can officially just email that to Merriam-Webster and let them know Pastor Ben said today. Hopefully I don't have to write out what it is because my grammar won't be correct and they won't accept it. But we study many things about this through the Old Testament wars that we have looked at and the Old Testament battles that we have talked about in Abram and Lot and Joshua going into God's land there in the battle of Jericho. And we, last week we talked about David's battle with Goliath. And I know that's one of those things that we study uh, according to Scripture. And we think those are children's church terms. But we as adults need to become like little kids. Amen. We need to renew our faith. And the more childlike we become, it says in God's Word, the better off we'll be. A childlike faith. Jesus told his disciples, Suffer not the little children to come unto me. His disciples wanted to say, kids are not worthy to come and meet Jesus. He said, I'd rather meet them than you. His own disciples, grown-ups, adults, Jesus is saying, let them come. I thank God for a church that has people that steps up to the plate, that goes and serves in children's church and nursery and in those things to help our church known as the bridge be a better place so that kids can meet Jesus in a way that they can understand. Amen? David's battle, even though it was one-on-one -on -one with Goliath, it set up future events to take place that would not have happened if he wouldn't have stepped up to the plate and he said, is there not a cause? We talked about that last week. Sometimes when we decide to say, I don't think I'm ready to do that yet. I don't think I'm ready for the battle yet. I don't feel worthy to fight in God's army. But I really believe, as pastor, the day you give Jesus your life, you're joining the military, his army. It's the army of the Lord. And whatever place he positions you, and you can study this throughout history, that armies are designed, and you can go to West Point and talk to them, and they're not going to let a corporal do this, and they're not going to let a major do this, and they're not going to let a major general do this or that. They all have to follow protocol. So whatever God says, he's the general in this army. And if he tells us to move, then what should we do? Move. Let somebody step out of line, even in JROTC back in the day. I didn't join it in school because I looked at it and thought, I'm not going to get under Eldon Rice's domain. He's pretty brutal, man. I talked to my friends, you know, he'd be coming to school and they'd be in there polishing their shoes in another class. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? We've got to get ready, y'all. I forgot to, I didn't polish my brass last night. And they'd be cleaning it up. And I'm like, Really? But he was setting them up to understand the little things matter. And people that's been through military are, 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 are some of the heroes of our land today because they understand when they come into the church what it means to be under the charge of a general. And when God tells them to move, they understand, I need to move. We're all in God's army. Every person sitting here today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you're in His army today. And when He calls you to battle, whether it's the front lines or the back line, whether it's in front of everybody standing here with a microphone or it's getting here early at 8.30 to set up so other people can come and feel invited, it's all part of His army whether it's somebody serving and, and writing cards that Cindy's doing. That's an awesome ministry that we do at the church, and it's behind the scenes, and people don't know. And some of you that's been taking 
care packages, the people that's uh, been impacted by COVID. It's just something that kind of happened by happenstance that I never even really thought about it. And one night my aunt was texting with her, and, and I got Megan to take her some stuff, and, and then Amy and Earl needed some stuff, and they took it to them. And there, there's been different people that that's happened to so far in our church. The Bible tells us to care for one another. And I can't direct all that as a pastor. You have to understand how simple this little noggin right here is. I want you just to, <laughs> I'll declare that to you. This is, I'm pretty simple-minded, but I'm glad I'm made the way I am. Because he doesn't want me to do it all. He's given us a house full of people here today so that we can all do our part and make his kingdom a better place on this earth. What kind of battles are you facing today? What kind of enemy are you coming up against? And as I was thinking about how to end this sermon series, I thought that we have to go back to the place and understand if we're talking about Old Testament war, I wonder if there's New Testament war. There's something going on in the New Testament that would give me direction on battles according to God's plan. So, we all, and I don't spend a lot of time talking about these things, but we're going to look at Revelation chapter 19, and we're going to talk about the end times. How many believes we're living in the end times? Amen? Peter said he thought we was living in the end times. Paul, the apostle Paul, thought he was living in the end times. Ever since Jesus left this earth and went up into the clouds and left his disciples there on earth, they've all felt they was living in the end times. We are living in the end times. And when we say the end times, does that mean that today is the day? There's been people who write books. There's, there's a book written back in 1988, 88 Reasons Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. I think that guy missed it, don't you? <laughs> by, time, by just a tad. Well, here we are, 2021. I think you missed it by a little bit. But there's always been people trying to predict when God is coming back. When Jesus specifically told his disciples, don't think you're going to have an understanding of the day and hour when I'm coming because you will not. He told his disciples, the final words he said in Acts chapter 1 as he was leaving is don't worry about that. Occupy till I come. That means take care of business till I come. So what should we be doing today? Instead of looking at the clouds always wondering is today the day Jesus is coming back, we need to work like he is. Everybody that we know that's not in a church or that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, our goal is to occupy till he comes. That means go and win them to him because today might be the last day. Every day could be the last day. Every minute could be the last minute. It could be before this sermon is over that Jesus appears in the clouds of glory and calls us home. It could be. Or it could be 100 years from now or it could be 1,000 years from now. Jesus even said, I do not even know the day nor hour when the Son of Man will come. It's appointed only to my Father to know that. So the Heavenly Father is the only one that knows when enough is enough. But when he says enough is enough, how many knows it's going to be enough? Amen? If God says it, it's going to be over. In a twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, in a flash. In a bolt of light, and Jesus is going to ascend. He's going to call his saints to come home with him. There's going to be a season that we're there. And as this happens, the enemy's going to come. We understand the mark of the beast, right? Yeah, it's going to be on your forehead or on your hand. It tells us in Revelation that's where it's going to be, okay? 
So it's pretty simple. The mark of the beast is going to happen. So as these things begin to play out, and, and we believe that there's seven years of tribulation, we believe that there's, there's a, a third part of the earth going to be uh, dismantled and all these things. I believe these things according to the Scripture. But at the end of all that, there's coming an end of the day, an end of the age that we're living in. And when that happens is Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. It said, Then I saw heaven opened. How many would like to see that? Amen? The good part is you're going to be on the other side of it. So here, I saw heaven open. This is John the Revelator saying this. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on is called faithful and true in righteousness. He judges and makes war. God is not looking to kill, steal, and destroy today. He's coming that you had have life and life more abundantly. I've said that over and over and over. But under this time, in this domain, in Revelation 19, he's saying God is getting ready to make war. And how many knows when God goes to war, it better, you better be shaking in your boots, amen, because he's coming, and whenever he comes, it's going to be scary. And it says his eyes are like a flame of fire, and his head are many Diadems, and he has his name written, and no one but himself knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dripped in blood, and the name which is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. I believe this is us. If you were raptured into heaven with him, and he comes to get you as his children, and he takes the church out of this earth, and the earth's going to go on through this time of seven years of tribulation. This is when we're there with him, and we're fixing to come back, and he's the general of the army of God, and we're going back to earth with him, and he's going to take dominion of this place forever, amen, and it's going to be his plan and his way, and there's nothing we can do about it that sounds like something I'm interested in amen it says verse 15 from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will war them he will he will rule them with a rod of iron he will tread the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God the almighty on his robe and upon his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How many's heard that before? He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Here's where it's written. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And with a loud voice he called unto all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather together for the great supper of God, to eat flesh of the kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of the horses and the riders, and the flesh of the men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw a beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. Whose team do you want to be on? There is an antichrist that's going to set up camp on this planet. And he's going to, con see, he's going to convince people to believe that they're going to be able to beat God. He's going to ridicule and he's going to mock because there's going to be people that's been to church that left the church that get left behind in the rapture. They're going to have an understanding of God and there's going to be Bibles laying around on bookshelves everywhere. And during this tribulation, they're going to be reading and understanding and knowing that God, they missed their way out in the rapture. 
And the enemy is going to be so deceiving that it can almost convince the very elect. The very elect of God. Those that know better. That have received it before. But here they're going to find themselves in a place where the whole earth is going to be under the dominion of the devil himself. And he will convince them, let's go to battle with God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to take that route. I'd rather be ready to leave today if he comes. And the way to do that is accept him as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. Give him rule and lordship over your life, the rest of your life. And say, I'm tired of fighting this battle alone. I'm tired of the wars that's happening in my mind. Today, Jesus, I accept you. And when we do that, we are sure-fired ready the day the rapture happens to go and meet him in the air. And it may sound like a fictitious thing to some far-conceived ideal, and how can that ever be? I don't understand how I'm going to fly without wings. If God says I can, guess what? I can. Amen? If he appears in that cloud and says, come up here like it says in Thessalonians, I believe I can go up there. Amen? I trust his word to be true. But these armies are there. Verse 20. And the beast was captured. This is how long this war is going to last. Instantaneous. How big is the devil versus how big is your God? The enemy divides, God unites. It says in the Old Testament how beautiful it is when God's children gather together in unity. And I'm telling you what, if you've ever seen a group of people get together around a certain ideal or a certain topic and go and they, they, we can almost do anything if we will set our mind to it. Amen? A united front. That's what God's desire is for his church, a united, multiplying church. Every person sitting here, God's got a plan for your life, and he's got a plan for you in this church. And this church is not for everybody, but it is for everybody. Amen? Everybody's welcome here. Black, white, Amen? Any, any topic, you pick it, God wants them here sitting with us in these rows and in these seats. I thank God that he's given us a place where we can expand now. Used to, we in a little bitty building, we was kind of confined to how many people could show up on a Sunday morning. We're in good shape now. Amen? I'm thankful for that, ain't you? I'm thankful for people being able to watch online and do the different things we're doing today where that we are be able to see multiplication happening. And even though some of those people may come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ across a video, uh, whatever you want to call that, Facebook Live, whatever the way they're using it today, whether it's them listening to the podcast that happens weekly or whatever medium God uses to reach them, they may never sit here with us, but they can be part of the bridge from afar. Amen? They're welcome to come in a way God allows them to come. The beast was captured. Everybody say that with me. And the beast was captured. You don't sound very excited about it. Leslie was trying to get you pumped up during worship. 
to say we need to worship God. I think we need to worship him. Whenever he is going to capture a beast in an instant, that is the devil. God's going to put him under his foot, and it's over. Amen? Have you ever seen a snake like that, and you get something, and you stick them down to the ground, and you capture a, maybe a, a forked a stick, and you stick it right behind their head, and you pin them down? How many knows that's a victorious moment? Amen? Because if you let them slip around very long, they're going to get back behind you, and they're going to get you. The beast was captured. How awesome is that, that the God of heaven, the Lord of lords and the King of kings is going to capture the enemy of our souls once and for all, forever settled. He wins the war at this moment. How many is excited about that? Amen? Let's worship him and thank him for his victory. And with it, the false prophet who is in the presence had done the signs by which we had deceived those who those received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire and it burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came forth out of the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gathered with their flesh. There's a benefit when you're in battle that you know the plan of the enemy before the battle ever comes to fruition. Think about this. God already knows it, and he wrote it down in this book called the Bible, and he allowed John the Revelator to see it as John the Revelator. He was sitting as a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos. He was making little rocks out of big rocks all day, as the bluegrass song goes. And as he's sitting there, John the Revelator, sitting here in this prison camp on this island where he cannot get off, and he don't understand, how can I get back to the church? And he's sitting there, and he says, I was in the presence of the Lord on the Lord's day. It was a Sunday, and he's sitting there in a prison camp on this island, but he looks up, and he sees God. How many of us can sit here today and look up and say, wow, I'm seeing God move in my life. I see his revelations happening in real time here where I'm sitting. He's moving in our midst, folks. So here we sit today deciding, does God know beforehand what's going to happen before it ever happens? There's all kinds of places in the New Testament that says he predestined you. Pastor Chad Haggard up at Raceland Church used to say all the time when he was used pastor, every time he would preach he would say, God has predestined you for greatness. He taught that to the kids at Raceland Church over and over and over. How many knows you cannot get old where God tries to tell you, I have created you for greatness. Stop being mediocre. The church has enough mediocre Christians. God is calling us to the battle lines and saying, it's worth fighting for. I'm telling you my plan. I'm showing you in my scripture. We're on the winning side. We should be excited about that. There's a benefit in knowing the enemy's plan before it happens. God shows us. And that's why we need to lean into him. Song Leslie sang, I want to sit at your feet. Drink from the cup in your hand. The closer we are to Jesus, the more we know the enemy's plans. The Bible talks about in all kinds of places in the New Testament that he will give old men they will dream dreams, and young men will see visions. It says, upon your handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit in those days, saith God. He can show us where we're heading and where we're going before we ever get there. How many believes that? It didn't end with Acts 
the, the last chapter in the book of Acts that some people say. It's still alive today that the Spirit of God hovers over us and gives us clear indication and we can understand so we don't have to be surprised. How many is tired of the enemy kicking you in the face? I am. I didn't see that coming. We need to get closer to God. Jesus says we sometimes come out only by prayer and fasting. We need to fast. We need to pray. We need to seek his face while he may be found. He's asking us today to lean in. Chase after me. So in battles, I thought about this too, and we're coming towards the close here, and I got one more thing after this. Upper, upper land position in battle, if you're in the upper land or upper part of the hill and you're, you've got the high ground, let's call it that, the high ground. How many likes the high ground? So if you're in battle and you've got the high ground, you've got the upper hand advantage, they call it, right? You, you've got the upper hand here. How many likes having the upper hand? It's always good to have the upper hand. So I, I got thinking about that in, in, in the battles that's happening, that God allows us to have the upper hand, the high ground places that we can have so that we can know that these battles as they're happening, that he's given us the advantage. As the church, we have the advantage of foresight, of foreknowledge, that our general of the army of God has given us insight and in saying, I've got you. I have your back. So if you're sitting here today thinking, I don't know if I can do this, Pastor. I, I don't know if I can put my, I, it's going to take an act of faith for me to step out and try to do this. And God's saying, I've got you. It's not, it's not going to be bad things to happen to good people because they do all the time. I'm not telling you that you're never going to face adversity. There is an enemy of your soul and he wants to take everything away from you. He did it to Job. He wants to do it to you. But here we are on the upper hand advantage, the high ground. And I thought about when me and Leslie lived down in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and it's where Cumberland Gap is that all the people that come through, Daniel Boone and all of them came through the Cumberland Gap, and it, it, there's big mountains all the way through, and all these mountains are positioned down through there in one place. In this one specific spot, there's a great big gap right between these mountains. So these mountains are almost impassable. How many have ever felt like you're trying to get somewhere and it seems like you never get there? You've got plans, you've got goals, you've got ambitions, you've got a desire, you've got a dream, you've got something that's happening, but every time you take off heading in the direction you think you need to head and you get there and there's this great big mountain and these cliffs and these bluffs and it looks like this is not passable. I cannot get over this. You need to reposition yourself. If you've done the same thing over and over and over again and are expecting a different outcome, that's insanity. And God doesn't want us to be insane. Amen. We need to position ourselves because God is making a way. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God will make a way for you. Amen. I believe that's true. He will make a way for us. And these people, these pioneers were heading and they was trying to go west and they was all across these bluffs and I've been there in Wise, Virginia and I've been all down through these places and these bluffs, these mountains, cliffs. But you get down low enough and there's a place in Virginia 
And it's amazing as you go on down in Tennessee. I can imagine as these people, these pioneers were traveling along this land and they looked and all of a sudden they seen all these mountains so high that it looked impassable. And all of a sudden there's a little cliff going this way and a little cliff going this way. And they traveled up over that place. And it was passable. And I can imagine the victory in their hearts. And there's storybooks about it. You can study Daniel Boone as he traveled through there and he headed through that pass for the first time. And he gets through there and he's going into this new place and it's just where the land begins to level out and he sees all these things and there's great big forest and all these things, just the beauty of God. He had no idea what was about to happen. And when you get through one battle, guess what the enemy's going to do? He's going to come at you harder than ever before. Amen? So as Daniel Boone gets through this valley, this place called Cumberland Gap, the second he gets out into Bell County and he begins to travel west, enemies come out from high ground. And they kill Daniel Boone's son, his teenage son. The enemy doesn't like it when you win. And Daniel Boone could have decided that day, I'm just going to step back and I'm going to go another direction. I'm, I'm tired of fighting this. But he didn't do that. He kept plowing forward. And he ends up out and he sets up Boone's Burrow. There's names where that he... Uh, Carves his names all over eastern Kentucky. You, there's trees everywhere where Daniel Boone carved his initials. I want the upper hand. I want the high ground. Don't you? Let's ask God today, position me in the high places. The Old Testament is full of it. You can go and read all throughout Samuel, the book of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. All these Old Testament books tell stories about how that God positioned the armies of the Old Testament on high ground, and they won battles. Talking about multiplying division, wherever you go into battle, you can't be divided against the people in your own ranks. When we're all on a united front, we have to understand, I need you with me. I can't do this alone. That's one of the things I love about the bridge is we're not alone here. Amen. We're not a divided church. We're a united church, and I love it. Amen. we got different backgrounds and different names, and sure, we got uh, people from different regions of Lewis County and even surrounding areas, and it's a beautiful thing that we're united. Even with things that should divide us, God can unite us, and I'm excited about that. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you would be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Even though you're on the high ground, you can still be divided, and that's a bad thing. An army that don't know what to do will separate, and the next thing you know, if the enemy can divide you, he will conquer you. We need to be sitting in this room understanding tonight, understanding when somebody else is weak and if I'm strong, I need to help them because tomorrow I may be the one weak. Amen? We're in this fight together. 
We're in the army of God together and we're united on this front to say, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the way Jesus prayed it. But the beautiful part is we're predestined to win. Imagine being on a team that wins every time. Football team there the night had a had a victory and just it was like jubilee, right? There was just a celebration and and we wasn't there because it was an away game. We try to come to the home games if we can, but you know, an away game and they went and they they defeated somebody finally. Amen. Finally, those boys were ready for it, wasn't they, Tabby? Amen. They were ready to see a victory, see a win. We're predestined in God's kingdom as his kids to win. You're on the winning team today. And it's a beautiful thing because we can all get our, you know, some people's against, well, you don't need to give everybody a medal. I can tell you right now, my medal, even though I was the only one there last night, felt pretty good. I didn't turn my little flashy light on the lanyard, but, you know. I, I, did, I did this morning standing in the house. You know, I put it back on this morning thought, should I wear this church today? I don't know, maybe, yeah. Might look a little over the top. But you don't know. Nobody knows. Wherever you, like I posted on Facebook, I won first place. And everybody's like, congratulations. I didn't say anything about that I was the only one. If there would have been anybody else to show up, I probably wouldn't have been first. But I'm predestined to win. God loves you more than you love yourself. Some of you has been, I feel like I have to say this to end this whole series, that you've got some people that you deal with, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe it's in your community. And it seems like they're your enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says this, for, we, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, that means human beings. Quit being at battle with other human beings. They are not your enemy. This verse tells us that. But against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Stop looking at other humans as your enemy. Your enemy is the devil himself. And God's asking you today, just as we said last week, let me fight your battles for you. So if you have somebody that maybe you've been into disagreements with and you've had trouble getting along with them, I'm asking you today as your pastor, turn it over to God and say, God, I'm sick of fighting. And I'm sick of feeling like they're my enemy. Help me today to give it to you. And you fight against the battles that can even change their mind. The Bible talks about a great place that we can be in when they would make even your enemies be at peace with you. How many would like that? People we struggle with. God, change their mind. Bring them in your kingdom and let us be united by the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. And let them live in a heaven and eternity with us forever. Amen. Even my enemy. Even somebody I don't agree with. Even somebody that tears me down. God, 
Love them the way you do. Everybody here, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes if you will. Nobody looking around, worrying about what other people's doing. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you've came today and you've sensed His presence and you know that His Spirit is knocking on your heart's door and He's asking you, allow me to come in and transform your life. I'll renew your mind. I'll give you strength that you didn't know that was available. Make it my will, not yours. He's knocking on your heart's door right now and he's saying, allow me to transform you. My ways are higher than your ways. There's others of you that's here that you've known him before, but maybe you've walked away from him and maybe you've been out there doing life your way and he's saying you once knew me just as the prodigal son had left and went away and today I'm awakening your mind to tell you come home today is the day I want to take residence in your heart and give you new life if that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus today, I just want you to slip up your hand, if you will. Anybody here that wants to give your life to Jesus today, amen, 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 amen. Anybody else? Other hands. Thank you for those hands. Singing at your feet. Leslie, come over and sing that. Just keep your eyes closed and just listen to these words. And She's going to lead you in prayer in just a moment, but just worship him right now. Maybe you've got battles going on and you're sitting here in this place today. Say, Pastor, I've given my life to Jesus and I've still got some issues going on and I've got battles that I'm facing and I'm just wanting to turn them over today. And these people that, if you spoke about that, I can sense that's me and I need to just give them to God today and allow him to fight my battles for me. Just listen to the words of this song and sing them and close your eyes and just think about Him and experience Him in this place today.
blessings over your people this morning. God, I pray that your word pierced their hearts, God, and their lives. God, that it just wasn't just another Sunday, God, where we can say we went to church or just feel a little bit better about ourselves, God, but that our lives were changed, God. God, as we've laid our lives down for you, as you did for us, God, speak to us through this week. God, I pray blessings upon your people, God. I pray blessings upon their jobs, blessings upon their finances. God, blessings upon their family, God. God, that you would increase. God, that we would decrease. God, and that others would see you in our lives. God, we would be a light that shines, God. God, as your word says, is a city on a hill, God. God, that we would not be shaken. God, we love you. We thank you. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Just a couple of announcements as you're on your way out today. Um, if Elizabeth has messaged you at some point about a connection group, she is going to meet um, just up here, kind of over here in the right corner, my right, your left. Um, just a real brief meeting. I know she sent out a message, so that's going on. Youth is tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. for 7th to 12th graders. Yeah. Yeah, Isabel, right? Yeah. So um, just welcome. We will see you guys. We'll be here, like I said, next week, the week after that, the week after that, the week after that. So uh, spread the word. Bring somebody with you. So we still got plenty of room to grow, and our people will be back from uh, fall break next week. So God bless you guys. You have a great week. Uh, go and be blessed. <laughs>